Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel their timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, May 18th. You guys hearing this on the 19th. 
and we are still in about the same situation we've been for several weeks now. So as always, we hope that this podcast is finding you well in a good place with all that is going on in the world or as good of a place as can be expected in this particular scenario. And we have, you know, we're, we're inching towards baseball, it feels like, Brendan. We, we still don't have an agreed-upon deal from both sides, the, the owners and the players still kind of going through their negotiations and, and ironing things out, keeping in line with the, the health protocols to see if this is indeed possible at all. But it, it does feel like we are inching toward something happening. So we will talk about kind of the latest lay of the land as far as that is concerned. And we'll kind of look at, like, we we do, while we're waiting for some things to be ironed out, it does feel like we have some idea of what this might look like if they do get back out there. So we'll talk a little bit about kind of gut reaction, just initial reaction to some of the proposals, some of the things that really don't seem to be on the table as much for the negotiations, kind of things that we're presuming are going to be a part of this process. Uh, and we'll we'll see where else that takes us. But as far as just uh, something lighter to start the discussion, Brendan, were you able to watch any of the videos uh, this past week? when the Cubs had one of the, they've hired three new organ players to replace the legendary Gary Pressey, who retired. And one of them, John Benedek, was at Wrigley Field last week and serenaded the neighborhood of Wrigleyville. So hopefully you were able to catch some of that. I did. And it was pretty cool, too, because John Benedek is like in our age category, uh, Corey. So he's got to be in his 20s. And it, it's Interesting how you have Gary Pressey, who was a veteran with the Cubs for, what was it, over 30 years, rightfully so. And then you have John Benedek, who might bring a different flavor, and I'm excited about that. And uh, I know he's a diehard Cubs fan. He was alum of Club 400 for a lot of those Club 400 people out there. It's a great Cubs community. So you know the Cubs just hired a genuine, authentic Cubs fan to to kind of take the the next wave of Wrigley culture, if you will. So I'm excited about that. And hearing Wrigley organ music in this time was so calming, I guess. And it, it's a little weird when you hear it and you see a few scattered fans walk around the stadium with, of course, no one inside the stadium. But it kind of puts you back on what it would feel like in those early to mid-May games, waking up you know, on a weekend getting ready for the day and knowing you have a Cubs game to look forward to. So kind of put me back in that mindset and I was appreciative and I'm really looking forward to hearing and and seeing John Benedek uh, take over the next culture wave of Wrigley. Yes, and I, I believe that John said that the other two organists who are a part of that trio, I don't know how they're going to divide their time or who's going to yeah. play when, uh, but I believe the other two folks will be debuting at some point in the near future. I think they're they're planning to do that again in the coming weeks. But yeah, it was nice to just have that regular Wrigleyville vibe back together. And and as you mentioned, there there was sort of a 
weird like dystopian element to it because you know you know that no one is inside and everybody's walking around with their masks on you know staying six feet apart and and all of that good stuff but it was still nice to hear it did it did felt normal it felt like okay this feels like kind of normal as as close as we're gonna get for now so that was that was pretty cool and and just to hear some of those tunes and uh, I guess to now finally know who's gonna try and I, I don't think that they will succeed nor do they have to but to fill the very big shoes left by Gary Pressy but I think it's it's pretty cool that they are all and I, I don't have extensive information on on all three of these organ players but uh, it, it's pretty cool that all of them I do know are, are Cubs fans and uh, I think I'm not sure what the comparable role would be for either you or me you're gonna say it's shortstop the shortstop yeah, because that's how you are but like like right now like I don't know what the comparable role would be second base. but it's gotta be insane I mean I'm trying to empathize just a little bit with like like I know how to play the drums right like I don't they, they don't have a drummer at Wrigley Field but like the notion of being a lifelong Cub fan and then being hired to perform at Wrigley Field and like be the person creating that ambiance and that vibe, uh, as as Ben Wyatt would say on Parks and Recreation, the vibe curator for the ballpark. Like that's got to be crazy, man. Like like a, a lifelong dream and and just totally surreal to uh, be in that role. It's the only thing comparable. But I I ran the San Francisco Giants scoreboard in Scottsdale during spring training about five years ago, four years ago. One of my first games actually, Corey, was Sunday night baseball spring training. Literally, the ESPN crew came. And I'm running the scoreboard, and Arietta's pitching. They have you know the entire cast there, and I'm eating dinner like up in the up in the press box with you know everyone else around and behind me you have like Len Casper you have John Miller you have all the ESPN cast right there and I'm sitting there I'm like oh my god like I would pay like half a grand to do this I'm getting paid to do this it was a surreal moment to be as a diehard fan getting paid money to do this and experiencing this type of like in-depth baseball culture blew me away. It's one of my, honestly, one of my like best baseball experiences just because you learn more about how that content is created and just being part of that, that ambiance. It, it's hard to even explain, Corey. I do wonder if like you or I could pull that off though. Like just putting myself in the shoes of the organist, like you got to be able to like you know, start playing a song like right away. And I think I either good good or bad things happening in the game, I can just see myself like not paying attention well, that's what to what to I'm me, Corey. supposed to be doing. Like I must have missed, I, I, you know, if you were at this game, you may have even noticed it, but I must have missed probably five of the first 20 pitches. So I'm not able yeah. to call like the balls and strikes. So I'm like trying to like watch the ESPN broadcast, which is like two minutes delayed at that point, trying to catch up. But the umpires would always turn around and like flash the, uh, you know, the <laughs> yeah. count back at me. So I'm Hello. like, crap. Yeah. So like there was one instance, I think it was Javi. He was stealing second base and I'm just like watching it happen. And uh, I think he got called out or maybe, maybe it wasn't Javi, but I did not put the out on the scoreboard because I was like kind of pissed off about it. I wasn't thinking about changing the scoreboard. So to your question, like I would 
probably not be hired, or if I were hired, I, I wouldn't last more than a year. You know, the, the Cubs blow a late lead or something in the ballpark. Oh, I would just and, leave. You know, then we get to an inning break, and the ballpark is just sitting in silence while everyone in the press box is looking at me, like shouting expletives behind my glass window or whatever. Like, dude, you got to play a song. Like, <laughs> hello? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, just give me a second. Or, you know, like Javi hits a go-ahead home run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Like, you know, like I know you got to get the the song in there or whatever, but like I'm, you know, jumping around or something like that. I think I would probably get fired pretty quickly just for no not being able to separate myself from the moment, which seems like an important skill uh, for someone who is performing live at the ballpark. And that, that's that why seems... I can't work in baseball, man. Like I, like I just, I like being a fan too much. It's too much in my nature. I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of that bias, no matter what role I would be in baseball, whether it's like even like selling beer, I would be terrible at it. I'd be watching the games. So not for me. Yeah. People are like, Hey, uh, old style. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Like hold on, not in the middle of yeah. the at bat. Hold on a second. Right. right. <laughs> But yeah, so that was cool regardless. And I, and like I said, I I think the plan is to do that some more. So hopefully we get uh, some more tunes coming out of Wrigley Field and uh, that can kind of bide our time a little bit until we get baseball at Wrigley Field, which is uh, obviously more of our priority. So we'll get into a little bit of what the plan sounds like now. We've been trying to keep you guys on top of whatever they're thinking of doing uh, and at least so far, we've got a you know somewhat of a framework for what might happen here. But the first thing I want to touch on is just a little bit. I, I know that this stuff isn't exactly the most interesting or exciting, but it is uh, in a, a place in the world where there is not much in the way of actual news or discussion. This is actually at least something noteworthy. Uh, Tom Ricketts and Crane Kenny had a video session with season ticket holders and they were this you know the season ticket holders were able to ask some questions and they were able to talk about some things and I think that one of the there there was a lot of things and I'm looking at some of the highlights uh from bleachernation.com he kind of laid everything out in bullets uh and one of the you know one of the first things that comes up is that there's uh, obviously the ongoing discussion about doing this but you know Tom couldn't say for certain at least at this time uh, I think this was this past week that baseball is going to come back which is in line with what we've been hearing they're they're trying their best to get this plan ironed out and approved the the safety measures and things like that but even at this moment there's no guarantee that just because they come to an agreement that they're able to pull it off um and the other thing and and I want to preface this because I'm going to read you this quote because this is what he said. Uh, So I think even just with that preface, you guys know that what I'm about to say is having to do with the finances and the budget, which I feel like Brendan and I have made our stance pretty clear on this. Um, I don't own a business. Brendan doesn't own a business. I'm not a billionaire. Neither is Brendan. You're you're not, right? Not yet. Soon to be. Okay. I'm just I'm just checking. I, I didn't want yeah. to speak out of time. Give me ten more years, then uh, ask me again. Ten seems low, but good for you. <laughs> Aim high. But like I think in general, like just as like a, an overarching premise, like Brendan and I are usually uh, on the side of the players, the labor, uh, and normally like of the mindset that 
the Ricketts family and a lot of these other owners are worth multiple billions of dollars. And hearing them complain about the finances and not having any money and stuff like that doesn't really ring super uh, true or like important to us. Um, Especially like, as I've said a million times, like my season tickets go up every year, like water and beer is eight and ten dollars whatever it is so like i'm just saying in a general sense i don't really care to listen to them say well we're gonna lose this money or we don't have enough money to extend chris bryant and javi baez and anthony rizzo all at the same time right we don't really like hearing that but i'm gonna read this because it's not my business so meaning literally it's not my business i don't own the chicago cubs uh boy would it be fun if i did though we'd have a great time all of us (laughs) i can assure you but I do want to read what Tom said because he does own the team. And whether you agree with his framing of things, whether you agree with the general premise, whether you are in total agreement with him, I don't know where all of you stand. He's the one that owns the team. So what he says does matter regardless of what lens you're viewing it through. So during this call, he said that obviously one of the most challenging things about getting baseball back on the field is the safety and health protocols and how they're going to execute that and keep everybody safe. Uh, But he also said that one of the most challenging things was the finances. And this is a direct quote from Tom Ricketts, quote, about 70% of the revenue that comes into our organization comes in on day of game. It comes through selling tickets. It comes in through selling concessions. It comes in through the ballpark experience. So again, I'm not looking at his books. I don't have the spreadsheets. I have no way of saying the validity of that statement, I don't know. Like I said at the beginning, just for people that are billionaires and that made the decision to own a baseball team and that squeeze every penny out of you, me, and all of us that go to the ballpark, I just don't like hearing it personally. Like that's just my standpoint. Like it's kind of like a Crimea River type situation. Uh, But he owns the team. He controls the business operations. So his opinion on things does matter and is important to not just outright ignore. And as we've said a million times, while we don't necessarily support that, it is how you know running a business typically works in this country. Like the person that runs the business is going to try to maximize profits and they're able to do whatever they want because it's their business. So pretending otherwise isn't super helpful. So uh, yeah. It's it's a nuanced conversation. I just try to offer all those caveats because I, I mm-hmm. th- the one thing we're not going to do here is carry water for billionaires. Uh, but at the same time, he owns the business. He's running the business like most people run businesses in this country. Uh, and you know, I think it's just just as not helpful to just you know scream about how much we or anyone else hates them and you know they don't spend enough money because it's you know it's he owns the team so this is what it is um but that's one of those things where that's kind of one of the debates that's raging and and why i wanted to read the quote is because they're 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 and we brought this up a little bit last week that there is a struggle kind of mounting between the players and the owners as far as are they going to do a revenue split? Are the players' salaries going to be prorated? They had previously agreed to, I believe, prorate the salaries, which would already have had the players taking a pay cut. Um, And then you have, again, comments like this. You have, uh, I I think there were a couple teams 
just this week that we're announcing that, you know, they're going to have to start furloughing employees on June 1st. Uh, the Cubs are not amongst those teams. I think they've been very good about paying their employees and, and you know, keeping things as open as they possibly can. Uh, but it's it's clearly a, a battle that is going to go on, and, and I think probably a large part of the reason that we don't have an explicit agreement on a proposal for resumption at this particular moment. Uh, so there's also like a debate where are teams going to be able to handle the loss that they might take if there's no fans and no game day experience and, you know, maybe changes to the broadcast rights and things like that uh, for this shortened season. You know, there's I've seen discussion of whether it's worth it to even play at all, right? And yeah. so I'm just trying to give you a framework of the discussion that is happening throughout baseball amongst some of these larger writers and that you might see coming across on social media or or any blogs or newspapers wherever you're you're getting your baseball news these are the discussions that are going to be happening and that's why even since last week when you know the owners had already agreed on the premise for a proposal we still don't have okay they're playing baseball on this date right and and these are the reasons why uh so that's kind of where things are, uh, and I think those are going to be the most contentious issues, Brendan. The, the how are the players and the owners dividing up the money, uh, and what exactly do those numbers look like for the teams if they do play these games and are not able to have fans or not able to sell concessions, merch, tickets, etc. cetera. Uh, again, I don't have the books, uh, so I can't tell you what exactly that all looks like, but I do think that those are the key issues. It sounded like last week they, they worked through the health and safety stuff, and by all accounts, it sounds like they've done a very thorough job of that. They, they've consulted medical experts. They've consulted the, the right people. So it does sound like that is not something that they were treating flippantly and that the, you know the player's health and safety uh, was going to be put at the forefront. But this money stuff is, is the, the point of contention. Uh, and I, I think it's one of those things where it obviously represents a challenge to get the season played in 2020. And as we've mentioned, the, there, there are going to be negotiations in the future for future collective bargaining agreements that are almost assuredly going to be affected by however this plays out mm. here. So it's, it's a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, admittedly, I don't think Brendan and I are, are like the experts on this. Uh, but this is, I think, the issue and the situation to monitor as we go forward here. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s and I'd sold her timeshare. And that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 
It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. I don't think anyone, like, is an expert on it unless you're within the industry you don't you're not privy to the data they have the to the balance sheets and this is not to defend owners or executives or whatever but for, for me i can't give an informed opinion if i don't look at the same things these people are looking at so i, I just were outsiders looking in so i empathize with fans who like you and me like go spend the money i want to see my team win like of course like I, I of course i want that at the same time, I empathize with a smaller fraction of fans who do recognize that this is a business and these owners have spreadsheets and they have different goals monetarily that they need to meet. And I, I, I get that as well. It's just hard for me to give an informed opinion on this. And when it comes to my priorities, what I wanted to see with some of these proposals, it, it has and always will be the the health and safety of the players. It, it is a little unsettling when you have so many people within the same ballpark or environment and with the uncertainty of this virus and long-term effects, as a player, I totally understand the hesitancy. And I think Blake Snell, when he was, I think it was on Twitch, Corey, that video game streaming service, he was asked about this. And Snell to paraphrase, basically said the owners aren't playing, we're playing, we're not taking a substantial pay cut, as Snell said, to risk their lives. And so I, I totally understand that as well. As ter- In terms of the actual safety proposals, we do have information about that. So just to break it down, Evan Altman, in a similar fashion with the bullet points, uh, he highlighted that each team must have a dedicated testing and isolation area set up within their spring training site. So whether that's in Mesa or in a little bit close off-site facility, we'll find out. But that being said, there will be free diagnostic and antibody testing for anyone within the organization, including those households of those players. There'll be required daily home screenings with a personal temperature check each morning. Then after that check, the the players will have to go to the stadium, get another temperature check, and fill out a symptom questionnaire that in my I think it's just going to assess the likelihood of a potential case. Of course, there's going to be some asymptomatic individuals who may have this, and they will not be able to be screened with this type of thoroughness, unfortunately. So how they handle those asymptomatic individuals, maybe we'll get more information about that, but uh, maybe it'll be more random testing, something like that, but we'll, we'll wait and see. In terms of the player limit, so right now we're working with a 50-player limit, a 30-man active roster potentially with a 20-man taxi squad, there'll be staggered workouts, there'll be different report dates, etc., And then within the locker room, there'll be, of course, social distancing guidelines throughout. They'll have to wear masks. There have to be education programs. So in terms of the actual focus on safety, this does seem to be pretty robust. And I kind of wish a lot of different companies adapted similar procedures. Maybe it's just not financially um, suiting. So with that said, like, I'm encouraged. I think when you have this type of 
thoroughness in developing a safety plan. It, it hints that this is going to be feasible. And we've heard local governors saying that they can have sports without fans as soon as, in California's case, a couple of weeks. In Arizona, they're ready to go right now. So we're going to see at some point baseball, I think, within the next three, four, five weeks. And that does give me hope. But I, I it comes down to the player the owner, the revenue sharing, getting that tied up. And I think there just cannot be any type of hostility in in the public with this. It's just not the time, man. And I think, too, if you're not able to come to a somewhat understanding agreement, that, as you said, Corey, this may set up for a really brutal negotiation for the new CBA after this season. And that's the last thing baseball needs is more hostility for the next four-year CBA that they'll have to agree upon. So they got to get this done. It's a necessity. I'm glad that the testing has now been figured out, it looks like. And the final barrier is just figuring out who gets to slice of the pie, if you will. Yeah, so speaking of uh, the uh, – look, as far as the financial stuff is concerned, I, I assume that's the major point of contention, and uh, I know that the Major League Baseball Players Association has asked to see the books like because the owners are talking about how much of a loss they're going to take, so the Players Association has asked to do a review of that stuff so that they can understand uh, that you know what is being presented to them, and they can try to – work something out. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep talking about that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that comes from. But I, I think one of the interesting things that comes up in the, these health and safety things, this is going to be interesting, Brendan, and this is going to be a challenge for a lot of these players. And obviously in a situation like we're in, you want this to be as thorough as possible. You want everybody to stay safe. And it, it, even just looking at it from a playing baseball perspective if they start and this you know they don't do it right and they don't handle it well the whole thing will have to stop pretty quickly right so but you know reading like this USA Today story that that's talking about like the parts of the proposal that they've seen you're talking no high-fiving no fist bumps no spitting no sunflower seeds no chewing tobacco players sitting six feet apart players wearing masks things like that like showering at home, not having, you know, the the regular like clubhouse atmosphere and stuff, that's going to take some getting used to. And I, you know, obviously like look, like you know, not being able to chew sunflower seeds is not the most important thing in the world at this given moment. Uh and and I'm not suggesting it's a point of contention, but like I we I've mentioned many times I never really played baseball but I did play hockey my entire life and and just thinking about like the little things that you're going to have to try and remember to do it's going to be interesting to see how these guys kind of adjust to that and 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 just sort of resist those natural urges to like you know you, we we've seen it all the time like Anthony Rizzo gets a single he likes to do that thing where he you know soft punches the first base coast <laughs> in the stomach right or just like, spitting like Javi spits sunflower seeds and yeah swing that's like an instinct you know right so that's just going to be fascinating to see how these guys kind of uh adjust to that that type of stuff you know even just like high-fiving or uh patting a guy on the butt you know all those all those little things it's it's going to be interesting cup taps too you know kind of just become habitual at a certain point and you're going to have to do your best not to 
give in to that that notion. Now, I will say uh, I I've read this proposal and I've read what's outlawed here a, a few times. I don't see cup bumping specifically <laughs> mentioned. I don't know if that's an oversight. I, uh, I don't know if that's implied that they can't do that. But it was I'm part saying, of the negotiation process. David Ross does have a built-in sort of replacement for a high five uh, that is, you're not saying six feet apart, certainly, but, you know, there's no hand (laughs) or face contact involved uh, in that. So uh, is that still a thing? I don't know. We'll see. Is that really important? No, probably not. But it it sounds like they've they've certainly given a lot of thought to this, and it's going to take some getting used to uh and it's it's gonna look pretty weird brendan like i i think maybe that's one of those things that's gonna seem really jarring when we if we if and when we do ultimately see baseball like watching them do things and like resisting high-fiving one another or giving each other a hug or or, or something like that is is gonna look pretty weird i would think like just this oh like gosh, weird yes. version of baseball yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys in the Cubs, too, they have that flamboyant nature to their game. Javi Baez, for example, right? So having, and with the Cubs and David Ross and their culture, has always been a, a little bit more out there in terms of celebrating. So it is going to be a little bit different for fans. We'll get used to it, though. We'll get used to it pretty quickly. And at some point, this will be the new normal for, for now. Um, I, I, I think at bats with sunflower seeds and just spitting as an instinct in general i would be surprised if we don't see some like hiccups accidentally with like spitting it's just like you look at like big poppy right when he was batting with the red sox spit into both hands and then he clapped his hands and went up to to bat right so some guys will have to uh rework some of their rituals and it will it will be interesting but in terms of the actual issues at hand that's that's low on the priority list but it still sucks for fans and players yeah, and I, I also wonder, uh, I, I tweeted this too, but, um, you know, what about snot rockets? I There's a certain pitcher that I know who is fond of doing that. So uh, they're, they're all, it's all just to say they're going to have to get very specific with, with, with what is and is not allowed because I think we've obviously moved past uh, the traditional high five and things like that. So going to need a little more specificity on what exactly is allowed here. But, you know, I also think that it it does, and, you know, traditionally Major League Baseball is not so good at capitalizing on stuff like this or, or promoting stuff like this. But perhaps this gives the players a chance. You know, we saw in spring training, right, we always talk about that day that they mic'd up Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo while they were playing and how entertaining that was and just Which how seems their like five personality shined through and that whole deal. And I'm not like suggesting that necessarily for these games but if you're not going to have fans if the game is going to look different if you're going to have the players really putting an emphasis on staying away from one another no big celebrations like a guy hits a walk-off home run you're you're not going to see them crowding around the plate and pulling his jersey off well I mean you know they wouldn't do that if it was the Astros anyway because you guys know but in the other team's case, they're fine to rip their jerseys off because they're not hiding anything underneath it. But you won't see that anymore. This this at least seems to somehow, they're going to have to think about this, but provide a, an opportunity for some of these guys to get creative. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure what I even mean by that. I, but what about like air handshakes? You know, well, like I'm six feet social like, distancing. If you put, if Anthony Rizzo is not playing on a given day, for example, and say he's sitting in the stands, uh, you know, if that's where they have the guys that like aren't that. playing, so they're not in the dugout. I can see him finding a way to be entertaining in this environment. He's not allowed to touch anybody. He's he's got to, you know, do things differently. I can see him using his general humor and sarcasm to find a way to make that funny, right? And no so, you know, maybe the the games and the broadcasts and things like that can try to get creative with, you know, you've got these players trying to do something weird. They're just sitting here, like trying to stay away from one another. Maybe they can make that interesting. I don't trust the MLB itself to do that, but the teams individually perhaps can, can make uh, something out of nothing here. Yeah, well, you have uh, maybe, like I said, six foot handshake air shakes i guess if it is, sure. is the right way to call it but i could see that i could see rizzo behind home plate you know doing something to to annoy the opposing pitcher or some type of weird celebration in terms of his own team i, I could see it. and there are opportunities for a lot of these players to showcase their personalities in some way we've seen ian app throughout this entire absence of baseball capitalizing on making content on social media he has his own podcast which is by the way, the number one baseball podcast in the country at times, which is incredibly impressive. And we've seen Ian Happ with MLB The Show. He's going on these KBO ESPN broadcasts. So there are instances and pockets where this does create other players and gives them a chance to showcase their personality, which is good, which is good for baseball, as you said. The timeline still appears to be the same, that the idea would be to have the spring training going on in the home ballparks or the spring training facilities in June and then getting things going in that early part of July. And, you know, again, that's what they're shooting for. This whole situation can change, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. So it's it's hard to be exact with that right now, especially since they haven't necessarily agreed on anything. But that's the, the general framework. Um, and so since some of that doesn't appear to be points of contention and and kind of touching on what you talked a little bit with Mike Bryant last week in the interview that we aired I, I wanted to gauge our gut reaction to this is what they're going to try to do it seems like right we, we've gone through various iterations of these proposals they were going to play in Arizona they were going to play in Arizona and Florida they were going to mix up the divisions they were going to you know the Cubs were going to be in a division with the White Sox all this kind of stuff and, you know, so we've, we've gone through various changes to all of this, to the proposal that we have ultimately sent from the owners to the Players Association. And, you know, some of the things that appear to be the constants, right? One, it's obviously going to be a shorter season, something around 81 games uh, played over the course of a few months here. The DH going to be in both the AL and the NL. The expanded rosters somewhere around 30. Uh, you know, it, it certainly uh, looks like, unless there's some sort of, you know, wild change, that there's not going to be a minor league season, uh, which is all kinds of unfortunate and, you know, probably a, a different topic. But uh, th- those are the things that I think we, like, kind of know to an extent about what this is is going to look like if it does indeed come to fruition. So one thing I, I wanted to pose the question to you, and I, and I think we can talk about this for a little bit, Brendan, is gut reaction on that 
just for the Chicago Cubs. The the roster is what it is. Uh, we we know that, but things do change in that scenario. Not having the minor league system to you know that that changes where you're going if you had a plan to start a guy there and bring him up. Nico Horner comes to mind like right away. Yeah, uh, changes for things like that. A shortened season, you know, how does that affect how you're viewing certain guys in the bullpen, the rotation? How are guys going to be able to get ready? Uh, you know, who you're putting on in those extra few roster spots, the DH. I mean, th- there are some things that I think we we still have to wait for the full, concrete, ironed out. This is 100% the plan. This is what's happening. It's happening on this date. It's it's signed off on. It's happening. We don't have that yet. But just looking at some of the initial things that we seem to know, what's your gut reaction on how this affects the 2020 Chicago Cubs? KB, you have Rizzo, you have Javi, you have Schwarber, you have Contreras. You have that core together. But one of the concerns we've shared over the years was that depth. What if Javi goes down and Nico has to fill in full time? Who's the backup then to Nico? Is it someone like Zach Short? Will David Bodie get more reps at shortstop? But those issues, those depth issues, seem to be a little bit more shored up when you have an expanded roster of, let's say, a 30-man active roster. And by the way, this is going to be the first of a lot of discussions going up to the season. So generally speaking, I think the Cubs within this roster, it is advantageous having more guys able to go in during the games and more guys that Ross is able to employ on a daily basis. I think that that is true for not only the Cubs, but other teams in general. But last year in September, we saw what happened with the Cubs. Once Nico Horner took over for Javi Baez with that broken uh, thumb, there wasn't really a good option in addition to Nico, which is why we saw David Bodie at shortstop. We saw at times Ian Happ taking reps at shortstop as well. But you look at what could happen with this team, maybe Zach Short then will get more of an opportunity. Or maybe then we have Ian Miller get more playing time, which moves Ian Happ back to second base. And then you can put Nico Horner to spill Javi Baez every now and then at, at, at shortstop. So I think in terms of the depth, I feel more comfortable with the depth than I did even going into the year of a full season. I think this is a good thing. That being said, there are cons to this, and that is you don't have your traditional minor league season. So you don't have the potential for a new David Bodie to step up, which is what happened over the past few years, right? So there are limitations to this. The biggest limitation, again, general limitation, we'll get into more specifics as the weeks go on, but my main concern with a shortened season being delayed as well is the Cubs starting pitching staff. So you have a veteran pitching staff. You have Quintana, you have an aging Lester, who I still am confident about, but you just can't ignore his age. And you have Kyle Hendricks, who's also aging as well. So there's a little bit of a hesitancy for me when you have this veteran-led pitching staff who, as a whole, are not only out of their daily routine starting so late, but then what is that going to do to a pitching rotation if you have fewer off days, Corey? I I don't know what the plan is yet there, but you can kind of see maybe a six-man rotation being employed every now and then, where you have Alec Mills take the sixth spot, or you have Alzolai take the sixth spot, or Colin Ray get more of an opportunity. Maybe some of those fringe starters who would be taking the bus there and back from Iowa to Wrigley, maybe they get more of an opportunity. But I think generally speaking, 
the Cubs because of that pitching staff. That that is my main concern. But there's another side of me too that 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 is a little curious about what these increased opportunities would do for someone like Alzali or Alec Mills. And you see maybe some of those other fringe guys get more opportunities as well, even out of the bullpen. Looking at Dwayne Underwood Jr. For example, or Dakota Mex or Mechas, for example. So there, there is one side where I'm curious, just because I like seeing these young players develop. I like seeing them succeed and get these opportunities. Having an expanded roster for me personally as a fan, I enjoy that more. I do understand though for other fans who just want to see your five-man rotation your stable 80% of the time seeing Rizzo play, seeing Javi play, seeing the core guys play. I, I I totally get that as well. But I I like seeing a little bit more opportunities in place for some of these younger guys to get opportunities. And I, I think for the Cubs as a unit, as a whole, that could be advantageous, even compared to to other teams who are also at an advantage with increased rosters. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Someone like Lester, for example, like you, you could have an opinion on how you think this affects him, but until he starts ramping it up to get back out there and gets back out there, it, it's hard to say. Maybe a shortened season allows him to, you know, reach back and let it go on a, on a more frequent basis. And you know, he's not concerned about racking up so many innings on the arm and maybe he performs better maybe it's harder for him to get going. You know, I think he said that in some of these interviews, that it, th- this is not an easy process for someone at, at that stage in his career to start to get ready in March for a season that starts in late March or start to get ready in February, basically, uh, then put it on pause and then have to get ready in, you know, maybe a couple weeks to get back out there. So some of these guys, I think it's, you know, it's it's hard to really predict how this is going to affect them. The, the first thing that really jumped out to me, though, was this is going to be a really quick test of David Ross's managerial chops. Um, And I expect that he's up to the task. And I think that, you know, looking at how that whole process went and things like that, I think he's extremely well equipped for something like this. I think he's the type of guy that thinks about a lot of these things already and is going to be really aware of them. But just in, in thinking about this, like, the Cubs have a very versatile roster, like you were saying, Brendan, and how he's going to plug and play those guys using a DH, getting guys rest, using that expanded roster, things like that. This is this is an unorthodox season, right? And, you know, you're also going to have to weigh like, okay, we're not playing as many games. How do I want to treat someone like Rowan Wick? Do I want to, you know, wear him out because I'm not, I don't need him for 162 games. You know, we, we talk about someone like Steve Ciszek comes to mind, right, for these last couple of years, because all throughout both of the, you know, all of his time in Chicago with Joe Madden, we would be in what, May 
Brendan talking about how soon do you think this guy's arm's going to fall off because he pitches in every game. Yeah, and in an 81-game season, how much priority do you put on that? How how concerned are you about how much you're using some of these guys? It, it, it's hard to say. And again, it might vary from player to player, but it it's not an impossible situation and you know obviously american league teams have had the dh so it's not it's not some impossible premise for a manager but this is not exactly the situation that david ross was preparing for in his first season and now there is certainly some nuance to it but i think that for all of the concerns or flaws that that we've harped on over the last couple seasons with this roster i do think that the cubs are they're certainly not the best equipped for a situation like this i think there's almost no question that when you add a dh a team like the dodgers probably is the one that benefits from this the most uh just because they have a a ton of talented position players some that play the same position uh they were already moving guys like Bellinger around and stuff like that so I I think it's you know it's it I, I wouldn't say that the Cubs are the best equipped uh but I I do think that they can benefit from a situation like this and there and there's a couple things that immediately jump to mind um Victor Caratini and his performance at the plate and behind the plate I think become all the more important and in last year especially we had talked about you know how do they find ways for him to you know when his bat is hot and when his bat is going like it was last year how do you get him involved more without taking Wilson out of the game without having to put Wilson in the outfield as much and you know maybe risking an injury or something like that you know now you want Wilson to hit and take a day off make him the DH right? Make Caratini yeah. the DH. You can make Rizzo the DH and let Caratini play first if you want Rizzo to get a little bit of a rest. You know, we've seen Rizzo with point. all these yeah. back problems and things like that. You know, now if you feel like, just go up, take your hacks. Don't worry about it. We'll let somebody else play first base, right? Um, yeah. Kyle Schwarber. It's pretty much since the minute he arrived in the majors. Half of the, the people that watch the Cubs have been waiting for him to be traded to an American League team so that he can DH. So here's your opportunity, everybody. And I think Brendan and I have been, you know, like we're not on here sitting here saying that Kyle Schwarber is a great defender. Any, you know, contrarian opinion is wrong. I, I do think the reports of his awful defense are exaggerated. I think it's fine. But now you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe we can do better than fine in terms of left field defense. And we can just let Kyle take his hacks and just worry about his swing and stuff like that. And you look at someone like Nico and, and like you said, you know, you're, you're not going to have the ability to stash him in the minors and let him get those reps. But if you want him to come up and say, worry about your four plate appearances, focus on the pitcher, focused on your prep as a hitter, you're not playing defense today. And he's a good defender. It's it's not as though you don't want him out there on defense. But yeah. maybe there's just days where you say, hey, dude, go adjust to major league pitching. Don't worry about anything else. And now you have the ability to do that. So I, I do think that there's some ways for the Cubs to take advantage of this. We've also talked about guys like Jason Kipnis and Steven Souza Jr., Souza's one of those where, again, like he was working his way back from an injury, seemed to be on a good path. So how does kind of pulling that all back affect that coming off of an injury? We'll have to see. Uh, But again, you know, now someone who was coming off a serious injury, now you have the ability to say, okay, we'd like him to hit, but we don't want him 
playing the field as much. We'd rather have Hayward's glove out there, right? So I think the Cubs do have some options, and I think more than most teams. Like, adding an extra hitter for this team on an everyday basis doesn't mean that they have to play someone or give someone at bats that isn't good or or that you wouldn't want in a normal lineup, right? And there are going to be teams where their depth is stretched really thin by having to, you know, field nine hitters, the pitcher, all that other stuff on a daily basis. And I don't think the Cubs are one of those teams. So that's that was like my first thought is that David Ross is going to be able to get fairly creative with how he wants to do things. And, and I think, you know, an, another guy you mentioned, Ian Miller, is one who I would look at and, you know, kind of maybe put some focus on as as we ramp up here, just because you have that extra slot there. If you want to, let's say, you know, put him in there, have somebody else at DH, you know, now you've added an extra element of speed, but you're not taking anybody out of the lineup to do it, right? A, a better hitter, perhaps. So you can have that different element, maybe at the bottom of the order, maybe in, you know, in front of KB in that regard, if he's leading off. And, you know, you can kind of like change things up a little bit without having to remove somebody else from the lineup. So I think the Cubs have some options here, and it's going to be interesting to see how David Ross approaches that, uh, especially since it's his first year as a manager. But I, I, I do think that the Cubs are in a better position than most of the teams in the National League as far as having to make these adjustments. Um uh, do you, do you agree with that just in a, in a general sense obviously it depends how all of this is deployed but i think the the pieces are there to take advantage of at least more than most yeah you know it's hard to say just because we don't have the specifics of what an active roster will look like in some of these fringe players and other teams we still don't know who those fringe players are so it it is hard to say to be honest with you but as as you're talking about the DH and having someone in Nico Horner's position who needs those at bats just from a development perspective, how that can be valuable, not only for the Cubs for winning, but the player himself seeing Major League pitching without having the restrictions of going then out there and fielding. I, I think that's an advantage for the Cubs specifically in that alone is one advantage that other teams may not have with their other prospects. The thought did occur to me, though, with the Cubs in particular and the long-term consequences of this, we'll see. It could be some benefits. It could be some issues that may have some long-term disadvantages. And is that pitching? Is that AAA pitching that we were going to see may make an impact this year? And we're looking at pitchers like Tyson Miller or Colin Ray, quote-unquote fringe bullpen guys like James Norwood or Oscar De La Cruz or Danny Holton and Dylan Maples and and even Rex Brothers, who the Cubs signed as a free agent, are they going to get the same, I guess the word is frequency of appearances, and is that going to promote their development and kind of get the best out of them, or is that going to be detrimental to their development? I'm looking specifically at guys like Colin Ray and Tyson Miller and those starters who need that same every fifth day Routine. I don't know how they're going to go out and plan around that. Maybe they'll have some simulated games for those players. But even though that seems like a disadvantage, there has to be an advantage, Corey, of these young guys working with a major league staff for an entire year, 
right? Like you're not going to go down to AAA, and not to say those coaches aren't talented and skillful as well, but I mean, you just have more money and more resources available to you with the big league team. Maybe that does come to the Cubs' benefit to get Tyson Miller to the next step or Colin Ray to the next step because you have Tommy Hadovy behind his right shoulder five days out of the week. So that could be an advantage as well. It's, just, it's going to be interesting. I, again, for me as a fan, I'm always in tune and looking and rooting for the success of these young guys, especially the fringe guys. I love seeing next David Bodie come out. And I do think there is an argument to be made that this could be beneficial for their development, kind of ironically, even though they're not going to get that consistent playing time. But if they can have simulated games, if they can work with these major league coaches on a more consistent basis, maybe that's going to be good for them ultimately. And I think too, with the Cubs' new infrastructure, which you and I talked about so much during the offseason, you're only going to have 50 guys or so. Like, on, uh, I guess, an active roster or a full, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to have Justin Stone fly out to the Dominican Republic one week and then back to Iowa the next week and then to Tennessee the other week. You just need to stay in one location. And so maybe it gives all of these really talented coaches and instructors the Cubs acquired, it gives them more of a collaborative environment to then get these guys to the next level. And I I think there is advantages to this. It's not to say there aren't potential disadvantages, specifically the frequency of playing time, but I'm kind of talking myself into this, Corey. The more we're going about this, I am talking myself into this and seeing specifically how these younger guys or French guys can take the next step. And maybe they are at an advantage just because they have more of the supervision and instruction in order to get to that next step. Well, it doesn't seem to matter whether we're preparing for a regular season in (laughs) March or February or whatever in the world you want to call what we might be preparing for at this current moment. You and I have a habit of convincing ourselves that the Cubs are going to be good. What is wrong with us? uh, I'm not surprised that one way or another we would look at this proposal and go, you know, I kind of think this benefits the Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if they only play 81 games, they can't win 100, but could I still predict them to win 100 is the question. I I don't know. Uh, The other thing that kind of jumps out to me as something, and I'm not, I swear, we're, we're already nearing an hour. I swear I'm not about to get on a whole thing about this. But if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you probably know where I'm about to go here. If the season is shorter, okay, if it's 81 games, season is shorter, you need to hit the ground running. Unlike in the past, the, there is no time for putting up with players who do not belong in the lineup and hoping that they get things going okay I'm looking at you Daniel Descalso I'm looking at you Albert Almora okay I'm looking at even someone like Jason Kipnis right like if it's not there it's not there and in an 81 game season you do not have time for this I'm, I'm like preemptively mad i know okay I about tell. playing time being given to people there's literally no time for it so i i do think that's going to be an important thought and i know you know if the if the off days are limited and you know if there's double headers or whatever they end up doing to to cram all of this in like you need to think about all that and you can't just run these guys into the ground because it's a shorter season. I don't think that's going to happen though. As we've seen in the past, you cannot, you can't have that attitude 
that we've seen in the past with some of these guys where it's you know we 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 believe this guy can be a contributor if he gets things going there's no time for it i'm already telling you season hasn't started there's no time for it and i mean that and again it doesn't have to be anybody specific but other than those main you know these are our guys guys right the chris bryant's the anthony rizzo's wilson contreras javi Baez's of the world like you gotta be on and hitting the ground running or you gotta be versatile and flexible with who's getting the playing time because you just can't be so rigid because this is the type of thing where you know you come out the gate struggling we think about like the way that the cubs uh started was that 20 I, the years all blend together when they don't win the world series brendan which, which was the year where they started in texas and atlanta and it was just a big mess was that 2019 it was last year dude yeah i do honestly it's all <laughs> it seems like five years ago I know. given we, given the the situation that we're in and just how awful 2019 was i think you'll excuse me for not being bad. positive Didn't they lose like six, they, started, um, they started one in six Corey. i think they won the first or right maybe it wasn't and just yeah, you know blowing games left and right and that's another thing too like it's not just I, I didn't just take an opportunity to take more shots at daniel descalso right it extends to the bullpen too like but in 81 game season if you hit the ground blowing a bunch of games and you fall quickly behind in the division there's not a lot of time to make that up I mean go look at a regular season and take note of when they hit that 81 game mark it's not deep into the summer right so think about how often like things aren't settled in the NL Central or any given division really and that's what you're looking at so I I do think that there's there's got to be more of an emphasis uh, you know, again, it's a unique situation and you're going to have to make sure if this goes down that you're keeping guys healthy and, and on a routine that's that's lending itself to success. But you have to be, I think, a, a little more flexible in terms of your predisposed notion of like what someone may or may not be contributing to the team because you, you just can't let things get too far away from you uh, in in a shortened season, and again, like we haven't seen this before, so like may, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's one of the things that jumps out to me as like you just don't have time to wait for certain things to get going. If a guy's performing, you got to let him perform. If he's not performing, you got to move on. Like you just don't have time to blow a bunch of games, fall five, six games out of first place. Like you're just not looking at that much time to make something like that up. So those are like and and as you said Brendan like we'll this is basically all we're going to talk about until it happens if it happens uh so we'll dive deeper into it and I'm sure uh you know we'll hear from some of you guys we'll read from some of the people in the MLB sphere and you know have have more articulate thoughts on this stuff but that's kind of the stuff that jumps out to me and I think you Brendan kind of just have like this initial here's kind of the framework of what this looks like all that said, as we've said before, this is a a liquid process. Things are the, the gears are turning. They are trying, as they have been since this uh, whole shelter in place, stay at home thing started. They are trying to play Major League Baseball, but whether that happens or not, it kind of goes by the day. So even if they get this agreement in place, uh, you know, we'll still see if it it all comes to fruition. And as we talked about a little today. The most important thing here is 
controlling the spread of the virus and not putting these players at risk for the sake of whatever profits may be salvageable or entertainment or anything like that. You know, they're they're not they they shouldn't be looked at as guinea pigs, right? Um, you know, I want baseball back as much as anybody, uh, but I definitely do not want these players uh, who I love and you know have families and all that other stuff like going out there and risking their lives just for the sake of us getting an 81 game baseball season that's not worth it so it sounds like they are doing a lot of due diligence to those health and safety protocols uh, and if they can get that signed off on and if they they really believe they're not putting anybody at risk uh, like one single person at, at risk then perhaps we can keep moving forward here and and ultimately see some version of baseball, whatever that looks like. Perhaps the KBO broadcasts, if you've been watching on ESPN, are a little bit of a peek into what that may look like, maybe not completely. But we will keep an eye on all of that. It does, like I said, it kind of feels like we're getting closer and that these talks are progressing and that something might happen. Uh, But It's all dependent on the goings-on in the world and how these negotiations ultimately play out. But one way or another, Brendan and I will be here to break it down. Whatever does end up happening, uh, we will figure out a way to talk about it. So we will come to you guys again next week. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. And as always, throughout this process, hope that you guys are able to navigate this uh, with your health, with your safety, uh, your family, your friends, whatever's going on with your job. Hopefully, you can get through this in as as okay a manner as can be expected. Um, you know, we Brendan and I are here for you guys. We're we're uh, not literally in this together, uh, but you know, we're all going through this same thing. We're all uh, in the same boat as far as you know. I think hoping to see Cubs baseball and and missing it so much. So uh, we do have some similarities there. And and over anything else, just hope that you guys are safe and healthy and and getting through this process okay. Uh, and we will talk to you again next week. And whether I remember what year we're in right now, what season uh, Brad Brock was blowing games to the Braves, I don't know. Uh, One way or another, we end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in? (laughs) What? We could sleep in another half hour? Thanks, sweetheart. And you'll change yourself, too? There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity Internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.